Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, and welcome to this EM360 podcast. I'm Scott Taylor, the Data Whisperer, and I'm delighted to be your host for this podcast series. I'm the principal consultant at MetaMeta Consulting. We help organizations tell their data story by reinforcing the strategic value of proper data management. In this episode, I'll be welcoming back Paul McKay, EMEA Cloud Lead at Cloudera, who joined us on our very first episode. Today, we'll be talking about the data and analytics conversation relating to cloud native architecture, but this can make it almost impossible for most organizations to do all of this in one single location. Therefore, organizations have to figure out a hybrid cloud strategy and how analytics at the edge can process data to understand what's good and what's not. Hi, Paul. Welcome back again. Hey, Scott. Great to be back on with you. Let's kind of reset on why data and apps are going to uh, live in multiple locations for most organizations and, and, and why this hybrid cloud strategy is so important. Right. So for most organizations, they simply have to recognize the fact that their applications and their data sets are going to live in different locations. And those three locations are typically the data center, the public clouds, and more and more commonly the edge, right, which we're going to talk about here. The reason why that's the case is because they will have applications, workloads, and data sets that for a number of economic performance governance reasons will need to sit within the walls of their data center. But then they'll also recognize that there's a number of applications, data sets, and workloads that require the innovation, speed, and agility that you'd associate with public cloud. And so those things are going to need to live there. And more and more commonly, and probably at some point will be the biggest inverted commas cloud, um, will be the edge and the emergence of having to have or requirement to have compute at the source of data where it's being collected or created in order to process it and derive value. So the only organizations that that's not true of is if you have been born in the last five years, you have no legacy infrastructure or IT systems or, or mission critical platforms that have ever lived in a data center and they're all born in a public cloud. But as I said, for most organizations, you're going to have to split your applications, your workloads, your data sets across those three places. Right. Lucky for some of those folks who were born recently, but most of us are in an enterprise situation where we do have all these multiple situations that you talked about. But let's talk about the edge, actually, just kind of focus on that a little bit. So take us to the edge, Paul. What is it and how do we manage that particular part of it? So the edge or edge computing is referring to the fact that more and more data is being created and collected outside of the data center in a cloud. And so if I name drop a report, so Gartner recently did a study and they said that by 2022, more than 50% of enterprise generated data is going to be processed at the edge. The reason why this is happening is down to two things. One, the emergence of the ability to make things that once weren't smart, smart. So how I can put a sensor on a piece of machinery in a factory, and all of a sudden I can use that sensor to collect data about how efficiently it's running. I can do predictive stuff about you know when it may start to go wrong. And so there's this emergence of retrofitting sensors to things that already exist, but also the emergence of more and more things. So more and more things that become connected, whether that's a car, 
a traffic light, a smart city, you know, the list is endless. That's being driven in part as well by the emergence of high-speed networks, so 5G, and the fact that all of a sudden I can have these things connected at low latency means that there is a requirement to have more and more compute located next to where that data is being collated. And that's simply because I can't collect data from a autonomous vehicle and then have to wait for a round trip to send that to a data center or a cloud to be processed. I need to process that at source because the value is in making quick decisions in that context of an autonomous car. And so the edge is this recognition that more and more compute is going to exist nearer the source of these data sets in order to derive value from them and in order to process and do the things that you need to do as an organization with them. So this is really the internet of things in a lot of sense, is it? Correct. Right. Totally makes sense that if you've got an autonomous vehicle, that compute, those analytics that have to happen right in that vehicle should happen there, not bounce back somewhere else. You just don't have that kind of time anymore. Right. And and so you have these two kind of form factors. There's the idea that I will have to have dedicated compute for something like an autonomous car. But maybe in the instance of a factory, if you looked inside a factory floor, I may have a single ability to have compute and analytics, like one instance of that within that whole factory serving all of those different machines. So in that case, you know, rather than one compute to one autonomous vehicle, I have one piece of compute to many. But this still represents a challenge, right? Because all of a sudden, we're now talking about the decentralization of compute. And if we go back for the last 10 years, maybe more, IT has been trying to centralize this stuff, right? Right. I'm going to build a data center. I've got walls around it so it's secure, and I'm going to build all of my applications and systems there. And then we said, well, instead of centralizing it on my premise, I'm going to do it in a public cloud because there's a whole load of advantages to doing that. And now we're saying, well, I'm going to spread it everywhere, right? And I'm going to move all of this compute out towards these locations because that's where I need to get value. Yeah, it definitely sounds trend-wise or kind of high-level business speak-wise that it's potentially contradictory with all these years of saying we got to centralize and now we got to decentralize. So how do you start to deal with organizations when they try and want to think through that? Yeah, and there's quite a big you know, barrier you've got to overcome because quite frankly, most organizations aren't necessarily set up to have the things you need when you're talking about moving data and compute outside of your data center or public cloud, right? One of the problems that comes with the edge is how do I secure it? How do I provide governance around all of it? How do I process data so that I'm streamlining the amount that I need to send back to a central location? Because, you know, although we're talking about the decentralization of compute, you do at some point have to send that back or will send that back to a central location such as a data center sure. or a public cloud. And then you kind of think about, well, most of these locations, if not all of these locations, they don't have IT people there, right? These are just going to be literally attached to things in cities with no way of having someone there to, to manage and support it. So how do I build in capability around management, supporting of devices, physical devices, as well as the intelligence that goes on it, right? Because I think from a compute perspective or a hardware perspective, actually, I think the industry is pretty much there for that, right? We have emergence in technologies 
super small fanless compute devices through to hyper-converged platforms that are all in one that will allow you to kind of collect data and do stuff with it. But then it's how do you overlay that with software that's going to kind of provide you the intelligence that you need whilst doing all of those things we talked about with security and governance and knowing where your data is. Because, you know, if we think from an Emir perspective, if all of a sudden I have data in hundreds, if not thousands of locations outside of my DC or my public cloud, and I have a GDPR request that comes in for someone to understand all the data that's held or the right to be anonymous or the, the right to be forgotten, sorry, how on earth do I go about managing that? Like that falls at the feet of IT. They have to implement the systems or the software and the process that allows you to do it. So it, there's a big learning curve that organizations need to go through. It's also driven by use case, but IT is at the heart of that and has you know quite a big role to play. My one line business requirement statement for the Internet of Things is everything needs to connect to everything else when it should. And I think you hit upon the should part. That's all about security and authorization and whether these things should actually talk to each other. But it's exciting but complicated and to a certain extent, I think a little scary for some folks when they think about AI edge compute sounds really cool, but doesn't that really become thousands and thousands of mini silos? Yeah. And so the use case for data and analytics, and let's so we said AI, let's kind of use that one, is that in the instance of a smart city or a factory where I'm potentially collecting or ingesting terabytes or petabytes of data that's coming off of these sensors, and you know, back to that that kind of Gartner quote, 50% of enterprise-generated data is going to come from things like this. How on earth do I provide intelligence at that location so that I don't have to just pick up all of that data, try and throw it over the wire that is limited by the speed of light, right, and put it into a central location to process it? So the idea that actually, if I can use intelligence in either what data I'm ingesting, or if I can use intelligence around how I provide some form of artificial intelligence on top of that data to understand what I want to keep, what I don't, and therefore how I can be more efficient at when I'm moving that data around or connecting those things, then that's a really, really good thing. And an important thing, right? You have to do that because the sheer volume of data will dictate that in most instances. And so how you use that data, how you manipulate it, how you move it around, becomes really important. But what if I have in that instance, I have something in my data center that provides data and analytics. I then have something at the edge and various edges that uses a different way of doing it. I have no consistency. I have no interoperability. I have no idea of a single security and governance capability across all of those things. And I think we talked about this on the last podcast all that then happens is that you're just making life really hard for you. You are just building silos. You're just giving yourself management burdens and overheads. And the thing that you're trying to do, the use case out of this, all of a sudden becomes really, really hard to do. So AI has this huge role to play. But again, it needs a consistent way of doing this. It needs a well thought out strategy that allows you to uh, do all the things that I just talked about. Yeah, it could. You paint a picture of just mayhem if people don't go at this the right way, which is a typical problem people have when they don't set the strategy right up front. So when you counsel folks who are trying to put this in play, what are a couple of the things you 
either suggest to them up front or watch out for when they start to formulate their strategy? The first thing is, have you got a good enough capability in place to provide the maintenance, the security of that kind of device in that location? So it's the first one. I like, are you set up to do that? Because surprisingly, a lot of organizations aren't, right? Especially if they're new to this and they're just running things in, in the data center. The second thing is, and, and with all conversations around data analytics, whether you're talking about doing it at the edge or whether you're talking about doing it in a public cloud or a data center, like it has to be about what's the thing you're trying to derive value from? Like what is the use case that you're using here? You know, there has to be a tangible outcome of business value that underpins all of the technology that you will then use to do something. So you just have to be clear about what am I using edge computing for here and what's the benefit to me? So for example, I use that factory example we talked about already. If the business use case there could be, okay, I need to understand how I can increase efficiency within my factory floor, how I can reduce downtime by being more aware or able to quickly respond to machinery failure. And I need to be able to completely optimize my manufacturing line, which at the moment it isn't really there because I don't have data. That would be a business use case for why I should go and implement and invest, right? Because this all comes down to investment in an edge computing capability that would allow me to do all of those things and kind of instantly start to deliver value back to the business. I can see business folks, their eyes lighting up on the potential of this. Yeah. But again, I don't think we can talk enough about how do you go from this wonderful vision to really getting started and getting it done, where some of the sort of middle phases maybe that things go awry. Yeah. And so there's a decent amount of work that you need to do right in that use case. For a start, I, I need to make all of that machinery that's in my factory floor intelligent. So that means retrofitting it, unless I want to go out and buy brand new equipment, which probably most organizations don't. It's retrofitting it with these sensors and engaging in a huge community now that's starting to build around IoT. And we're starting to see standards and all of the major organizations are starting to contribute to this as they recognize it's going to roll out. So it's, it's using that community to start there, right? How do I make something that isn't intelligence today, intelligence tomorrow, right? And that involves retrofitting it with some sensors. The second thing is then how do I leverage data and analytics software that's going to do all of the stuff we talked about, that's going to allow me to ingest, that's allow me going to, to kind of sort that data on premise, and that's then allow me to look into that data and start to pull out trends, start to understand behavioral patterns, and then maybe, maybe as a final thing, do more predictive stuff on top. So how can I build models that use that data? Mm. And it's really a combination of those two things that will then allow you to get off the ground and start going, but it needs investment, right? This is not just a I'm going to start doing some IoT stuff tomorrow and I'm not going to spend any money doing it. It simply won't work because it's such a big shift. Right. I mean, it really is reframing the whole way you produce or deliver or engage with a lot of the activity that you normally do with this transformational effect at the end, which you hope for. I'm a big fan of standards. I love you talk a little bit more about what you've seen in the standard space and are there things things specific to particular verticals that you've noticed? Is there any kind of general standardization or standards activity that you've found always valuable regardless of the vertical or just trying to explore the standard space with you a little bit? There is some big work for organizations or for, sorry, as the industry to settle on, you know, how IoT works and what protocols we use and 
how we try and provide consistency that means that you could create a sensor and I could have some software and that they will work together rather than everyone running off and building their own platforms that use their own communication protocols that don't interoperate because the whole point, as you've already said, of IoT is that things need to connect to other things. There's just been a lot of work around that and all of the big organizations that you'd expect within the IT industry are being part of that. The one thing that has surprised me the most is the number of organizations that have sprung up that will help you do some of this stuff. So I'm talking about, uh, again, referring here to not only the consultancy organizations that will help you implement or define that strategy that we talked about, but also the organizations that are building the physical technology that allows you to kind of start to pull this data. And I talked about retrofitting machines in a, in a factory. I've been amazed by how many organizations are able to do that. And you see them spring up around like manufacturing hubs, just trying to kind of help organizations make it as easy as possible to start to get value out of their things. So from a standards perspective, it's about making sure we as a, a collective industry go down a path that means that things work together and that we don't need to, in five years' time, have a whole load of problems where there's certain devices or certain platforms and software stacks that simply won't communicate because they've been built using a completely different set of principles. Right, right, right. So it's got to it's, it's gotta start to fit together. This retrofitting aspect seems pretty exciting, certainly as a way for people to get into it without totally rebuilding. So that sounds nice. Anything on the data side, just kind of data standards as well that you've seen? Yes. Well, so again, I think from a data perspective, this is where it also there's some complexity. Just in a very basic example, if I'm collecting data at the edge and I'm running that on some form of physical hardware with some form of software platform on top of it that has its own set of security and governance policies, that has its own format type, and then I want to take that data and say, for example, I need to move that back to a public cloud because that's where I'm ultimately going to store it, even though I may have processed it at the edge. That public cloud has a completely different set of standards, a different formatting of data. It has completely different security and governance policies that you wrap around it. So all of a sudden, in that very basic example, I have to manage, secure and govern data that starts at the edge, that's collected, and then as I migrate or as I sort of move it to a central location, I then have to figure out how I apply a brand new set of policy and security using different tools. And so the idea that if I can have a consistent platform that allows me to do that, so the same set of security and governance policies that apply at the edge can then apply in a public cloud or a data center, that's going to kind of remove one of those big headaches that you're potentially going to have with this. And again, if we think about the size of some of these data sets, how we move them, the implications of not being able to validate that I have correctly defined security and governance, that I understand lineage and all of those things could be a real problem. And a lot of these are classic data governance challenges, but in this new world of edge and in IoT, again, it's it's among the the scope of it is so much broader. So much broader. The things that you can connect and the things that I've heard about being connected, we're talking about obvious stuff, like we're seeing entire industries change in this. So the farming industry, there's some really good examples of how all of a sudden I can use this connected data to improve the efficiency of how I plant my crops, how I 
maintain them, how I make sure that I harvest them at the right time. We're seeing these amazing stories of farmers attach sensors to cows and livestock so that they can better understand how they move, how much food they're eating, whether they're eating the right, you know, all of this stuff that ultimately is going to give them an advantage in their industry, or it's going to provide a better service, or it's going to make them more efficient from a, a business perspective. And all of this is just based on collecting new forms of data, providing some form of analysis on top of it through data analytics engines, and ultimately, you know, coming out with business value. So we've talked about a factory in the car, like this goes so far beyond all of this, but it's all just about the same thing, collecting data and using data to make better decisions or, or improve a process or in, offer a new service. Right. Just getting masses amounts of new kinds of, or data that seems fairly straightforward. You're just getting it from thousands or millions of new data points. This cow yeah. story is a fascinating one. You just think about it. not being a farmer, having no experience in that space at all. I can certainly imagine the benefits you could immediately get by following your herds and getting a sense, truly at a census level of the behavior of every animal in some way where you had nothing before. Correct. Or maybe just observational, you know, stuff from a human or some really minor kinds of information. So it could be truly transformational. So this is bringing about a whole new type of folks in terms of analytics, putting their brain power against these new kinds of data sets. Any other stories like that that you've seen? I think people would love to hear them. Let me give you a couple more. But one of the things, right, so, so in that example of a farmer trying to understand better the movements of his herd. I'm making a assumption here, but I'm going to say that that farmer or that organization that owns that farmland probably isn't in the data and analytics game, or they weren't before they attack. I'd say that's a fair assumption. Yeah, certainly not that deeply. No, but you know, I kind of challenge some of these companies to talk about how everybody's a data company. This is a farmer. They're not a data company. Yeah. They use data and analytics in new ways, but they do what they do. And so for them, they need the easy button. They need something that is going to be operationally efficient, that is not going to require them to be experts in data processing engines or machine learning modeling. They need something that just gives them that capability so that they can hire the right developers or hire the right data scientists to just work on top of the platform. Right. There's a big element there of how do they get started on that journey? It's by finding organizations that can deliver what we talked about in the last episode, right, in terms of enterprise data cloud. So some of the other good examples I have, I don't want to alienate the audience here, but I'm, so I play a lot, I'm a golfer, right? So I enjoy my golf. I have... In all of my golf clubs, I have sensors, and those sensors collect data about how I'm playing. That information is then pulled together. This is a service that I pay for, right? It's pulled together, and then through an application, is telling me in this thing it calls like a virtual AI caddy, it's telling me what club to hit and what hole and what shot to hit to give me the most chance of scoring, right? This is something that has only existed in the last five years, but through that, all of a sudden, I'm getting this information that I can decide how I use it to impact me as an amateur golfer playing, right? And so the, for them, that that organization has found a, created a completely brand new space by doing that. The second one I'll give you is there's a, a couple of really interesting indoor farms. And when I say farms, they're actually like 
you know, vegetable farms. So how do they create this incredibly efficient way of growing world-class tasting salads, tomatoes, cucumbers, uh, and all the things you'd expect, but without the limitations of a traditional farming, right? So traditional farming in that sense is very seasonal. You only have certain times where you can plant and harvest and all that kind of stuff. Whereas these guys, and there's a few in, there's a few organizations can go all year round. And what they do is they use huge amounts of data collected from the growing process to continuously make it more efficient. What does that mean? Well, it means that making small amendments to the amount of minerals um, that they're providing in the soil, making small amounts of amendments to how much water these individual plants are getting and when they get them. And so they're not only using this new technology to create 24 hours a day, 12 months a year growing facilities, they're also using data to continuously improve on it to make sure that ultimately you have the best tasting product that's grown in the most efficient way that's done using the right amount of water and using the right amount of minerals, natural minerals that you would associate with growing. So again, you would never associate those two industries or those two use cases with data and analytics, but fundamentally data and analytics is at the heart of what they're doing. And you'd argue without that, they wouldn't have an end product to go and sell. Yeah. And you would be not as good at golf as you probably are now either. So these are great examples, both of them there. How's that going? Is it working for you? There's only so much that the software can do. (laughs) (laughs) The data is the data, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would say (laughs) probably keep that in an extremely private cloud for yourself, right? So you don't want to share that way out there, out on the edge. But no, fascinating stories. And again, I think for our listeners, not areas where you would immediately think we've got to pour data and analytics into this because there's technology, obviously, but it's not that kind of topic and yet there's tremendous potential for data and analytics and edge computing and everything you've talked about in these areas whether it's consumer or professional and so on so wonderful stuff you know this brings about a whole host of data management data governance issues aspects can you just touch on that part of this journey you know we talked a lot about IT but also in the role of a CDO or a more business-oriented data and analytics person or department, you know, this idea of data management, data governance rears its head. So how do you start to deal with that? Yeah, you know, it's kind of built around a single principle, really, that in this new world of potentially hundreds and thousands of locations, you can't have silos of, of data. You have to have a way of delivering a consistent security and I've talked about this I've mentioned this a couple of times a consistent security and governance model across all of it because without that there's a couple of problems the first one is and I mentioned this earlier most people would associate the data center and the public cloud as secure places there is intrinsic security built around them and integrated into them how secure is a traffic light in a major city that's collecting data to be used as part of that overall smart city IoT idea so The idea that if I don't have good security and governance wrapped around my data, that is a huge problem and almost something that means that you can't even go ahead with a piece of work or a project like this because it would just never get any traction at all because you couldn't deliver security around it. So there's that point. The second point then is that 
all of this data is forming part of your wider organization data analytics strategy. And so you have to have a as consistent way of managing this as possible because again, if you don't and you start to create silos and you have different tools in different places, all of a sudden you'll be spending all of your time just trying to manage it rather than actually you know, delivering the IoT project or delivering the value from data on top of it. And so we fundamentally believe that you need a single platform that allows you to operate across all of those locations. And by doing so, you will have all of the controls you require around your data, you'll have all of the regulatory and compliance capability that you need, and you'll have all of the things around lineage and where that data's been and who's touched it and what data scientists are using it and how it's changed, again, just embedded and as part of the platform, rather than having to go and build all those capabilities out across different formats, different systems and different platforms. So it comes at the heart of it, but it's an interesting take I think that by moving these things outside of these inherently secure places, we're opening up to a whole load of other issues. So how do I make it secure? But then the the device or the the thing I'm connecting, but then fundamentally, how do I deliver governance across that software layer to manage it? Sure, sure. No, this sounds like a great place to kind of roll up our conversation here, but wonderful talking to you again, Paul. This was great and fascinating stuff. So join us again soon on our next series when we continue to explore the value and power of data in the cloud. And until then, this is Scott Taylor, the Data Whisperer. And for all of us at EM360 and at Cloudera, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the EM360 Podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com. 